And I would like to begin reading here as uh, in about verse, verse 14. Verse 14. Now, I've preached quite a bit out of Ephesians 5. We were here when we were on the men uh, during a, a month or so ago. Boy, time is flying. And Ephesians, I've come to the conclusion, I've told you this before, that Ephesians is what I would consider or call a hub book in the Bible. Uh, a hub book meaning, uh, think about a wagon wheel, and you got the spokes, you got the outer rim, but then you got the hub. And it's a hub book. It means it's a very important book in the New Testament. Not that any of the other books are less important, but this is a very active and a very presently active book in the age and the day that we live in. We can get a lot of practical Christianity and a practical living and how we're to live right. Now today, the topic that I would like to speak to you about, uh, we will find the, the verse for that in verse 16. That will be our text verse. But let's begin reading verse 14. He says, Wherefore, he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Now as I had said last month, it begins in verse 1 on, on walking in love. But then, secondly, it's to walk as children of light. He's talking to the Christian. He's talking to the church in Ephesus. But then he says to verse 15, See then that you walk circumspectfully. And someone would ha had once asked, Well, what does it mean to walk circumspectfully? Well, that would mean the, it, it'd be just like uh, coming into the cow lot. And you get through the gates and you watch where you put your foot so that you don't put it in something nasty. That's called walking circumspectfully. Pay attention to your surroundings. Pay attention to where you put your feet or you will get the dirt of this world on you. So he commands the Christian to walk circumspectfly. Not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. Now here's one of the three ways that God teaches us. Number one, the Lord teaches us by repetition. In the Bible, He repeats things. Number two, He will teach us by what we call association, or that is by illustration, things that we understand that we can gain a spiritual truth from. But the third way that the Lord teaches us is through contrast. And that word but, after that semicolon there, that colon, is what we call a contrast word. So he's going to teach us something. He says, but be filled with the Spirit. And what he means, he says, I don't want you drinking and being inebriated or controlled by liquor and alcohol. And of course, as Christian, as Bible believers, we are against alcohol. We don't believe, and, and, and the Bible doesn't condone uh, what we call social drinking. I know it's a very popular thing, but the Bible is still against it. The Bible has always been against it. Jesus stood against it. You say, but Jesus turned the water into wine. Well, you need to pull that up on Sermons Audio. I preached a message on that, totally breaking that message down. It was not fermented whiskey or, or wine or Mogan David. Uh, it was what we call the pure fruit of the vine. 
But he says, but I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God to the same intent that someone would be inebriated. So he's teaching us to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. But then he says in verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to, in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then here we have a bad word, submitting. <laughs> bad word, ain't it? <laughs> submitting, submitting yourselves one to another. In the fear of God. Oh, bad verse, ain't it? Submitting yourselves one to another. And of course, he's speaking to the church. We're to be in submission to one another. Uh, you know, the Lord was careful to tell us that we're not to lord over one another. Uh, and not even a pastor. Uh, I'm not your Lord. I'm not your king. I'm, I'm uh, one of the people. Yes, I am a pastor, but that don't make me a Lord. Uh, and the Lord was careful to lay that down. He says, you take the oversight, but you're not a Lord, meaning that the same rules that apply to the people apply to the pastor. And a uh, very, very good thought there in teaching but he says, submitting yourselves, and of course we apply it to husbands and wives' relationships because that's also in the context, and I always address the men, you, uh, before you can demand that your wife be in submission to you, you need to be in submission to her. He said, submitting yourselves one to another. Oh, that's a rough one, ain't it? I know we're not preaching on the marriage in the home, but uh, that will really solve a lot of problems uh, in homes in America today. Now, let us pray, because we don't want to read verse 22, because that's, that's another bad verse. You might, some of you might have that marked out in your Bible. I have mine underlined, but uh, someone underlined verse 21 in my Bible for me. I was, was that you, Jenny? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Let's go to the Lord in word of prayer. I would like to talk, to preach, if God will allow me, on redeeming the time or priority of time. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you now. Lord, help us today. We thank you. We've had a great service already so far. Lord, we, we've had good report of souls saved. Lord, we've had good singing and spirit-filled singing and, and sharing our gifts with the body of Christ. Lord, just as it was intended to be. Lord, now help us in the message time, in the preaching time. Lord, Help us to learn about priority of time. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. I would like to say that time, uh, of course, when you get my age, I'm 50, and I'm, it's not that I'm really old, but I find myself thinking about things more along this line than I did when I was in my 30s. I was walking uh, the other day, and I like to try to walk every day. And uh, actually, Brother Joe, I'm up to two miles a day now. Uh, so I'm feeling good. And actually, I feel a lot better. I pushed through that one mile a day mark. I'm walking two miles a day. But of course, uh, it did make me a little more hungry. But, you know, at least I feel good about myself. And I know Brother uh, Ray had told me a few years back, you cannot out-exercise a bad diet. And I'm working on that. He's still working on me, okay? But I, do, I am getting two miles a day in. But I was taking a break, praying, you know, 
<laughs> no, I took taking a break. Uh, let my knee joint cool off. Uh, my knee gets a little hot there on that first first lap. By the time the second lap rolls around, I'm doing a lot better. I was letting that knee joint uh, cool off a little bit, and I was thinking about what happened to that little eight-year-old boy living in Texas, riding his bike down those old corn rows there in the corn in the cornfields there in Texas. While the planes were, they spray fertilizer with a, with a plane down there. And maybe that's what's wrong with me. I breathed a little too much fertilizer. I didn't realize you wasn't supposed to be out there riding. Of course, my mom caught me when that happened. And she, oh, she gave me a tongue lashing. What's wrong with you? But I was reminiscing or thinking about where has time gone it seems just like yesterday, I was an eight-year-old boy in the orange grove. Uh, we lived in an orange grove down there. Boy, that's wonderful. And let me tell you this. The oranges you're buying here at the store, they're not real oranges, okay? Uh, I watch those guys. They pick them while they're green so they can get them to the stores. If you've ever had a tree-ripened orange, oh, my soul. Has anybody ever had a tree-ripened orange? All right, you, you know the experience. I was an eight-year-old kid, and I liked the grapefruit. Now, I don't know many kids that like grapefruit, but I promise you, the grapefruit that's tree-ripened tastes just as good and sweet as your store-bought oranges. Wonderful, wonderful. But the oranges, oh, they were good. Where is time gone? And the Bible says... In Psalms 90, verse 12, he says, So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Now, verse 10, if we was to go over there and look at it, he says that man's normal lifespan is three score and ten, or 70 years. And he says, if you happen to be a strong individual, you could live... Four score years, a score being 20. So that'd be 80 years. That is what the Bible says is a normal lifespan, ruling out disease and other types of things that could happen to you for a quick death. But if everything remains normal, 70 years is what the Word of God says is a normal lifespan. So I was sitting there thinking about that. Where is time gone? I want to go back to be in that little eight-year-old boy and do it all over again. Boy, I'd love to do it all over again knowing what I know now as an eight-year-old boy. Boy, that'd be fun, I think. <laughs> At least my body didn't hurt. <laughs> and they tell me I was a whole lot cuter. I, I don't know. <laughs> There's pictures of me running around somewhere. But it seemed like life was a whole lot more fun. And then I began to remember the children when they were little. We have a couple kids. Uh, two of our, our children or one of our sons our sons, we have one son. <laughs> we wanted more. God says, you can't handle anymore. <laughs> Is working. They're working. Nathan and Kayla, they work. Uh, so they have four Sundays on, four Sundays off, that rotation. Sash, she's here. That's a daughter. But it seems like yesterday they were just little kids like little Sydney running around. And I'm telling you, that's, that was over in a blink of an eye. It uh, seems like I remember working on the car one day, going to work, coming home, waking up on a Monday, and here we are. <laughs> what happened? Now, 
I was doing some reading. At the age of 50, if you live a normal life, I'm 50, 51, and the normal lifespan is 70 years, you would have 1,040 weeks left to live. Now, if you wanted to, and I read of a man that did this, he bought him a large glass bowl and put 1,040 marbles in it. And at the end of each week, he takes one marble out, throws it away to remind himself of the shortness of life. Now, he said, man, you're not really encouraging me this morning. Well, I'm setting, I'm laying a little foundation on how quickly... Time passes. The Bible says life is but a vapor. And we see it in our verse here, he says, redeeming the time. Now, that word redeem, it has a number of different definitions, but the one definition means to buy back. But it also means to be diligent with, or to be active in duty, seizing the crucial moment. In this context, according to the English language which we find it in, because I don't know Greek, (laughs) we don't need Greek, but it means seizing the crucial moment because you can't get time back. And if I had a little advice this morning as your pastor is just relax. Relax. Don't worry about lunch. Don't worry about what you're getting ready to eat. Don't worry about the bills that aren't paid. I need you to relax a little bit and take this moment in. Because we will never get this moment that we are experiencing together back again. Once the message is preached, once the last prayer has been given, and we walk out those doors, we can never seize the time that we have spent Right now, together, ever again. You know, I was thinking about that. I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks. And I was thinking about this this week as we took uh, Christopher and Cheyenne to the aquarium. And I was pretty sober. I had a great time. But I was busy trying to take in every moment, every second, to enjoy spending some time with some of our church children here. Because, good night, when I come down here, Christopher was four and you were three, wasn't you? Well, now they're 13 and she's 12. And I refer to them as babies because that's how I remember them. They were babies. And, of course, Cheyenne always reminds me, I'm not a baby. (laughs) What do you call yourself, A, a young person? A child, well, then I call him child, and I'm not a child. I'm a little people, you know, I'm a young person. And, and when they're at that age, they're, they're trying hard to grow up quickly. And so often we miss that opportunity to enjoy those moments. They're fleeting, and they quickly pass us by. Say, oh, but you don't know my children. They're monsters, and I can't wait till they grow up. Look, you're looking at it wrong. See, I just can't stand spending time with so-and-so. Look, it's only for a little while. I think uh, a few months back, uh, I had given a little advice. Someone wanted to know if they wanted to spend that time with the grandchildren. And I said, yes. Spend that time. Cherish that time. 
Because I'm going to tell you, you're going to wake up one day and they'll be adults. And you'll forget about it. My advice also is take some pictures. Pictures will help you remember. What I'm saying is you need to be active in your duty to seize these crucial moments. Let me give you a couple of time truths. Number one, we've talked about one. You can't get time back. It is a gift from God, but you cannot get it back. And what you do here affects eternity, your eternity, my eternity, your status, and your position in eternity. Now, I had prepared to say this in the conclusion, but I want to give it to you now because I want you thinking about it. While I get ready to deliver, there's going to be four points on the priority of time. What should we prioritize and devote the majority of our time to or make sure is a priority in our lives? What is important? I spend time with people that are on their deathbeds. And uh, the last deathbed that I spent time with, actually my wife and I spent time with, I always get two regrets. And I'm not the only person or only pastor that gets two regrets, and I want to pass that wisdom on to you. I get two regrets on a deathbed, and I'm talking about children of God. I'm talking about Christians. Number one, they regret not spending more time with family. And number two, they regret not spending more time in church. You cannot get it back. It's important. That's why I said relax. Put your mind in neutral. Don't worry about chicken later. Don't worry about what you got to try to find to eat. It's okay. It'll work out. But for just a few moments, take this moment in. Enjoy this moment. Look around. Look at each one of us. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. And I promise you, I have never heard a person on their deathbed saying, I just wished I'd have worked more overtime. I've never heard somebody complain and say, I wished I'd have had more education. It's always those two regrets. I wish I'd have spent more time with family. And they was in the context of immediate family. There, they, this individual was in the context of a spouse. Well, that spouse was going through some troubles in life and, and then later dying of cancer. They, they did care, but they spent a lot of time in overtime and working and they lost that moment. And it was regret on a deathbed. Actually, a regret that brought them to tears. And of course, that lady, who is gone in glory now, and she's in heaven, I was there to watch her pass over as she began to see loved ones about 10 minutes before she passed over. God had opened her. He was taking her, taking her over Jordan. The angels said, she, she was telling me what she, she did. She didn't know she, we were there. And she was quoting Psalms 23. A portion of scripture she had put to her memory when she was a child. And she says, I see the angels, they're coming to me. And I was holding her hand. 
listening to her. She says, I, I, I can see my mom. I can see my grandpa. They're on the other side. Oh, the city. The city. I see the city. Oh, the city. I see it. I've experienced the passing of saints, and they often pass just like that. They talk about angels coming to get them, and I believe that to be biblical because the angels carried Lazarus to Abraham's bosom, and they see family standing there waiting to greet them. What I'm saying is time, you can't get it back. And one of the things in life that you'll find out as you get older is family is real. It's real. People are real. Souls are real. Every human being has a soul in them that will spend somewhere, eternity somewhere forever. And it's very precious in the eyes of God. And we need to slow down just a little bit to enjoy the moments with people. But I believe that the Bible gives us a formula. I like formulas. And I believe he gives us a priority of time. If we was to look back in verse 1 of Ephesians 5, he says, walk in love, and he says, be followers of God. And I believe if we was to try to make a list and say, preacher, what should I prioritize my time on. And, and what I mean by that, priority is not what you spend the most time with. That's not a definition of a priority. But what importance it has in your life. So that means you would set time aside for things that are important. As a pastor, I don't spend every waking moment reading my Bible. I spend a lot of time doing that and studying that. But it doesn't mean a priority is not something that you spend all the time doing. But it is something that you say, nope, I have a time slot. And for that time slot, this is the priority. It will be number one in that time slot. And I believe the Bible is teaching us here that God should have our first priority. And when it comes to laying out your schedule for the week or laying out your schedule for the day, God should be first in your life. And I believe that's what he's talking and referring to when he says redeeming the time because the days are evil. And then he says, I need you to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God talking to Christians. And then he says, I need you to speak to yourselves. He says, speaking to yourselves. And that could be in prayer. Prayer is important. Prayer time with God, first thing in the morning. Uh, I, would, I would advise you to have your devotion and your prayer time first thing in the morning. When I fail to do that, it never seems to get done right. And my day doesn't run as smoothly. Get into a habit of prioritizing your prayer. The first thing you do is get up and read some Bible and give a little prayer. Speak to yourselves in prayer. But I believe that he would say, speaking to yourselves, quoting Scripture. That's why I want to teach the children, the youth here, to learn how to put Scripture to memory because it's a blessing. It's what God likes to hear speaking the Scripture back to God. But then he says singing. 
There is nothing wrong with good spiritual singing. And he says, psalms, and we want to teach these children psalms. There are songs or psalms that have been put to music in the psalms that are wonderful little songs to sing. And then he says, hymns. That's why we're still singing out of the hymn book. And we're going to continue to sing out of the hymn book. I hope that didn't offend you because I'm not going to apologize for the Word of God. Hymns. There's good doctrine in them. You say, but, oh, but preacher, well, hang on. He says spiritual songs. There are some songs that have been written later or today that are spiritual songs and they have good doctrine. They got good words in them and good tunes that lift your spirit up for God. And that time, the priority should be God first. God first. And then he says, submitting. That's that bad word. Submitting. Submitting to God's plan for your life and submitting to God's plan for our life, for each other. This morning, if you're sitting here, we have these doors open. The air conditioner's on, thank God. But this is part of God's plan and God's will. Even in the wicked age that we live in, this is the first day of the week. Christ arose on the first day of the week and we prioritize our week by setting some time aside to worship God, to sing to God, to praise God, to pray to God, and then to have a little preaching that God would speak to each and every one of our hearts through the Word. That's priority and that's a good priority to have. My advice to you, if you want your, the bumps in life or the edges of life, the sharp edges to be smoothed over, I would begin to prioritize your time and put God first. But then, number two, you say, preacher, okay, God first. And that's how we see it laid out here in Scripture. But then I see the second priority in the life of a Christian, verse 22, wives, he begins to talk about the wife and the husband relationship. And the second priority in life, if you are married, that second priority, that means time must be set aside. Time is an investment with your spouse, your consort. I was having fun with words which means your spouse. And why I use consort, because he covers three things under the heading of spouse or family. Your consort, your children, and church. That's your second priority. Now, what I'm doing, I'm borrowing a formula. Now, Dave Ramsey, if you listen to him, he's a, one of those financial gurus. And he has what we call the four priorities in life. What, what is it? Uh, it? It's shelter, food, uh, clothing, and transportation. That's the four walls. You need to make sure and prioritize those in your budget before you spend any money on bubble gum, any money on candy, any money on games, any money on vacation. Those four needs must be met. You say, where would he get such an ideal? I believe men like that, they get that pattern from the Word of God because I see the same thing here. 
We're building the four walls of the Christian life. And next week, Lord willing, I would love to preach on who's building on your house out of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I've been threatening to do it. I think I'll just go ahead and work that up and preach it next week. Because it's so important who your pastor is. If you was building a house, you would not want to get a carpenter that wasn't good at what he does, would you? Boy, I've seen a few of those nightmares. If you was to hire some stucco work to be done or plastering to be done, you surely wouldn't want to get somebody who had never done it before. I've had to redo a few jobs like that in my years of experience of owning a plastering company. Oh, and you know, I have a rule. If I got to come in and do something over that somebody else has done, it's double what the original price was. And here's why. There was a scam that went about in the 90s and 20s, uh, in the early 2000s, as they'd get contractors now, building contracts. A lot of times the homeowners didn't know it. They'd get the cheapest they could get. Somebody really didn't know what they were doing to do their stucco. And then when they began to have problems or that homeowner wanted to sell that home, found out they had problems, they would call a company like mine, can you fix this? But here was the kicker. Now they wanted my company to be responsible for all the work that had been done on the house after I touch it. And that's why it costs double. Because sometimes... You're like, I wonder if I got enough general liability to cover this nonsense. And guess what? Sometimes I just didn't do certain jobs. They were in that bad of shape. And my advice was to tear it all off and start over again. And so we will talk about that and preach on that next week. Who's building on your house? Because Paul said, you need a wise master builder. Talking about a pastor that's going to build. And that's what we're talking about this morning, actually. How to prioritize your time and God should be first but number two your spouse should be second time must be invested into your spouse time is short enjoy it while you can that's why Jen and I we generally set Mondays aside and we take a day trip you say why would you do that because we are going to invest time into each other it's something I learned about some 20 odd years ago when you're raising kids, the house is very, very chaotic. You're very busy. You're running here, running there, doing this, doing that. And it's real easy not to prioritize good quality time with your spouse. And it's important because he addresses this in the context of redeeming time on spouses. But then if you was to look in Ephesians 6... He says, children. He begins to address the children. And let me tell you this, fathers. Let me give you a little advice. Father-daughter dates are great. They're fine. But not if you haven't had a father-mother date yet. That's right. I'm not talking about your mom. I'm talking about the mother of your children. If you're... Having father-daughter time and father-son time. Father-son time is awesome. And that time must be invested, but not at the expense of your wife. And wives, not at the expense of your husband. A lot of times when children come along, all of a sudden mommy 
begins to view daddy as the dirty, nasty, scoundrel dog. And they fall in love with their children, which the Bible commands us. You, you love your children, but don't fall in love. There is a difference. You're to remain in love with your spouse. And here's why. Because time is so quick, those children are going to grow up and leave. And then you're going to be empty nesters. And if you had neglected each other, you're going to find that you have grown apart. There should be no excuse for that. A husband and a wife should never grow apart. When you've grown apart, it's because you've not invested quality time into each other. And the Bible says, if you're going to redeem the time, if you're going to uh, maximize crucial time, that one of the priorities in your day-to-day life should be your spouse. But then it should be your children. And then, thirdly, if you was to look here in the latter half, or right here just in this chapter 5, he talks about this being a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ in the church. Church time should be a priority in your life. It's important, and it's part of making up the four walls of priority. Number one, God first. Two, your spouse Second, or family. And that breaks down into your spouse. See, now we're building our day, our schedule. Your children and your church. God commanded us to put time aside. And you're here this morning because I know each and every one of us has a very busy schedule. But it would be wrong for us to forget and to prioritize time spent in church we need each other we need that fellowship we just need you know sometimes when you're dealing with people that are grieving or going through things in life sometimes they just want you around it doesn't mean they really want you to talk or they don't need you to talk they just need you there they just need to be able to see you because it's an anchor of stability emotionally church but now if you get into chapter 6 verse 5 he brings up another bad word work (laughs) works in there he said servants be obedient to them that are your masters we're all servants to somebody oh that's a bad word look if you're working for somebody and you're getting paid that's what he's talking about here he's talking about paying That's talking about work. The Bible is clear that if a man don't work, then he shouldn't eat. That'd take care of a lot of problems in America. If you don't work, you don't eat. He said, well, what do we do with all these people that are homeless and don't have anything? They've lost everything. I think we need to... This is Todd now. Some of you probably have a lot better idea than I would. But I say we need to spend some of that money that we're just giving out free. We need to buy a parcel of land and let those people move on to it and they can plant, sow, and then they can reap and grow their own foods. They got some housing there. We want to build some housing? Build housing for them until they can get back on their feet. But they got to work, and if they don't work, they don't eat. I promise you, they wouldn't stay there long because they'd get it down in their mind like, well, I could do this for myself, and I could sell what I grew, 
down at the farmer's market, I make a little money on the side. And I don't know anybody that doesn't want to own their own home, their own property. That was part of the American dream. I think that'd be, well, a lot better use of our tax dollars. I'm not against that. We're to remember the poor. Sometimes people do fall on hard times. Sometimes bad circumstances happen. And I see them neglected. Boy, that'd be good, but work. So that should be your third priority as you begin to lay out your schedule. Work. Work to eat. Work to provide for the family. The Bible says if a man will not provide for his family, he is worse than an infidel and he's denied the faith. Mm. Let me give you a history lesson. God gave Adam work before sin came. See, a lot of times we say, well, sin or work was the result of sin. No. God said that he created man and placed him in the garden to keep it. Sin don't show up until Genesis 3. But here's what you do need to know. God gave Adam work with no get difficulty. Because there's no sin. But after sin... Adam had work with difficulty. He said, when you till the ground, it ain't going to yield their increase. There's going to be thorns. There's going to be thistles. Things just aren't going to go the way they were before you sinned. So before Adam sinned, there was work, but no difficulty. Wouldn't you like that? Just nice and smooth and easy. But after sin, there was work. Well, we still got to work. But he said, now you're going to have difficulty in work. But work should be a priority. And I threw in there again, work at church. There is nothing wrong with working at church. There is nothing wrong with wanting to be a servant. You say, I can't do nothing but sweep floors. That's okay. We, we're getting ready to have a fish fry, and there's a lot of work that goes into that. To ask some of the, these folks around here. And we need all hands on deck. We need, it, it, it's, a hard, it, it's hard, and we're getting ready to do it in July 30th. I thought we was getting smarter than that. That's hot. But you know, when I say that, when I go down there to walk at the dog park, <laughs> that's what they call it down here on 160, I know. <laughs> everybody and their brother's out there hitting a ball, and it's hot, and everybody's there, and the heat doesn't bother them five seconds, and they're on a hot ball field. You know what? We can have a fish fry for the Lord. Now, I'd rather have it a little when it's a little cooler, but wouldn't we all like to have work without difficulty? But work at the church, there's nothing wrong with that. Making banners, making signs and stencils, and working and being industrious for the church, it's an internal. Now, let me get you this, it's eternal. What you do for God after you're saved pays an eternal dividend. It, it, it is an investment. Now, it might not be an immediate investment, and one of the weaknesses I'm sharing with you a little bit that I do have is I might not praise people enough from the pulpit. There's a lot that goes on around here under, uh, under that you don't see like on a Sunday morning. Uh, we, we, we work, little Christopher and, and Cheyenne, we, they, they work a lot around this church. We work, they work. They, they, but I wanted them to understand that church was more than just coming and sitting and drinking a Pepsi, there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes. A lot of prep work. 
And that is an eternal investment. We all like retirements. We all like investments. Let me tell you something. Your future in heaven and your status and your position will depend on how much you invested in time. It pays great eternal dividends. But one more. We got the four walls of priority. Chapter 6, verse 22. Whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that you might know our affairs and that he might comfort your hearts. Others. 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 This could be friends. But friends does not have a higher priority than family. Your buddies at work should not have a higher priority level in your life than your spouse. Or your children. It's the level of importance. Friends are important. I have a friend. I've, I actually had a friend I've had since I was 14. He's a best friend. But we don't spend every waking moment talking or texting to each other. You know why? He has family, I have family. He has work, I have work. Actually, I spoke with him last night for the first time in a number of weeks. So, oh, I thought you were friends. We're best friends. But my wife's more important. My children are more important. God's ministry's more important. It is. But family... Now, you hear me. In Genesis, God created the man. God first. God was in the center. He created the marriage. He created family. And then after family ministry. you got to get that priority. There's a lot of pastors that have lost their families because they allowed a ministry to prioritize above their families. They also get what I call burnout because they don't know how to properly manage their time. I'm not trying to be mean or condescending or wicked. I'd love to tell you that I learned that in a Bible school, but I didn't. I learned that trying to run a business. <laughs> you know, if you own your own business, you literally could work 24-7. Oh, yeah. Easy. And I had to learn how to, I worked from six to six, and after six it was done. If it didn't get done, it'll have to get done tomorrow between six and six because my children were growing up right before my eyes. And I was missing valuable time. Parents, let me give you this gold nugget. Quantity time with your children is more important than quality time. A lot of times we prioritize our work above our children because we want to be good providers. Get it, got it, got the t-shirt. But then we feel bad. And so we rush in and we spend quality time. We, we go overboard. We buy this, buy that, and spend that quality time. Let me tell you something. It's more important to spend quantity time with your children. That's what I was doing this week. 
I was investing quantity time. It wasn't that we did great things during our time when we took the children out. You know, we had a picnic lunch there above the Douglas Dam. And after we were done eating our sandwiches, Christopher and I took our lawn chairs out and sat up there underneath the tree looking at the lake. So, wow, what'd you do? Did you play video games? Did you run? Did you do this? Do that? Nope. We just sat there. Didn't really say a whole lot to each other. Just a little small talk. And then Cheyenne come. When she got done, she wanted to catch June bugs. And that's okay. She had fun. And then Jen come, but we were spending quantity time because it's valuable. You can't get that time back. You can't get that time back with your grandchildren. Learn to spend quantity time. Now, have the right priority, but your friends at work, your work associates, or your boys' clubs are not more important than family and church. And they're definitely not more important than God. And they're not more important than your spouse. I say this mainly because I want our, you to be aware, if you are married and you have spouses, enjoy these moments together because you don't know how much time you have. And like I told Jen a few years back, I don't want to get at the end of this thing and one of us pass off the scene and then the other one lives to regret, I wish we'd have spent a little more time. I just wish that we'd have just took that extra 40 minutes to go do this together. I don't want to have that regret. I believe it's biblical, and the Bible says, redeem that time. I believe this priority will help you and help me be better stewards of our time management. I love to fish, to hunt. But not at the expense of my wife or my children or my grandchildren or this church. As I told you early, earlier, there's two regrets. I wish I'd have spent more time with family. Mm. And I wish I'd have spent more time in church. That's what I get. That's the only two things I get. And I'll tell you that both of those things have great eternal value. Remember Noah had 120 years he preached and had ministry there, and he only won his family. But yet God said he was successful. I don't know about you, but I want my family in glory with me. I know you do too. But learn how to spend that quantity, not quality time. Quality time's good. But quantity time. Prioritize your time. God first. Your spouse second. Your children. Church. And then others. And don't get yourselves out of balance. Everything else should fall into place as far as time is concerned and what you spend it on after those four main walls have been taken care of. I believe we could be better stewards of our time, redeeming the time because the days are evil. What he's talking about is they're short. 
and you can't get time back. Learn to enjoy the moments. Learn to enjoy each other. If churches would just get a grip on that, you know, it doesn't bother me. You like, somebody said they like mayonnaise on a hot dog. I do too. But not everybody likes mayonnaise on hot dog. We don't need to get our noses out of joint with one another because not everybody likes ketchup on a hot dog. Of course, I like ketchup on a hot dog too. <laughs> oh. We fall out over the little things, don't we? And then we lose the time and it goes away. Learn to redeem the time. Let's all stand this morning.